Hello, hello, good afternoon, Queens. How is everyone doing on this beautiful Sunday afternoon? Thank you for joining us for a Queens Roundtable show, which happens every second and fourth Sunday of the month, where myself, Jacqueline Kabai Harris, and I interview a different female entrepreneur. And basically, we just talk openly and candidly about entrepreneurship, right? As well as all of the other pearls, if you will, that, you know, and challenges from time to time that we may deal with in our personal lives and how that impacts us as well in our professional life or impacts our ability to run our business. But we keep it real here. So whenever you join us at any at any time, please feel free to leave whatever questions and or comments that you have. I always make sure that I check the comments because, you know, those of you that do join live, we want to make sure that we answer you. Right. And, you know, just address and even acknowledge that you're there. Okay. And also, if you can't hear us at any time, please leave that in the comments as well so we can make the appropriate adjustments. So without further ado, I'm going to allow my guest to introduce herself. Good afternoon, everybody. How are you? Or if you're watching the replay, good morning or good evening. I am Sharnessa Roach, or you can call me Coach Shar. I am a life coach, a business consultant and business plan writer, an author of six books, two of which have been Amazon bestsellers and a speaker. And I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. I am so honored that you agreed to be on the show today and just to basically talk with us and just to share, you know, share a bit of your experiences with us. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit more about you. Like, you know, where did you grow up? Are you from a large family? What, you know, what state are you in now? Did you grow up in that state? I am a lifelong Michigander. I have been in Michigan all of my life. I grew up in Detroit, I'm a Detroit girl at heart. If you're a Detroit girl, you know what that means. <laughs> it's something different about the women who grew up in Detroit. I saw a poem once and it says, we can work in the factory and wear uh, construction boots or go to a club and wear heels. We can you know, do what needs to be done. We're a little tough and tender. And so I have six sisters. So I guess I could say um, I grew up in a big family. I grew up um, very close to my mom's side of the family. And there were lots of them. My mom had four brothers and four, four, four I was like five brothers and sisters. And so their children and, and I were very, very close. Um, grandfather's a pastor. And so just involved with church forever. And I'm okay with that. And um been here, live a um, little bit west of Detroit now, but just enjoy Michigan. We get four seasons. Some of them last a little longer than others, but it is what it is. And our state's one of the most beautiful in the fall. Don't think you can beat Michigan's colors no matter where you go. You know, it's so interesting that, that you mentioned about the seasons because that's one of the things that my dad always, you know, when people talk about like moving to the South and, you know, they're tired of the Michigan winters and so forth. Um, that's one of the things he always mentions is about the having the four seasons about he doesn't want to live anywhere where he can't, you know, experience summer, winter, fall, spring, you know, so, mm -hmm. okay, well, cool. I'm, I, I'm actually current. I was born and raised here as well, but right now I live in Redford. So, yeah, so this is actually the first time I've interviewed somebody that's a, a Michigander. Wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool. All right. 
So, okay. So I'm so, I'm so excited. So now, now your business, is it, is it strictly an online business or do you have like a physical lo location as well? So what I do in my business um, is both online and offline. Okay. And I like it. So when I'm writing business plans for people, probably 50% of the people that I write for are not even in the state of Michigan. And so they come as a result of, of a referral from somebody. So I have clients in South and North Carolina. Um, I've had coaching clients in California. That's, that's different sometimes. Um, Illinois, Maryland. So they're all over. But I also, as a speaker, do a lot of live events in Michigan and other places. So it's a combination of both. And I don't think I would have it any other way. I always tell people I'm amazing one-on-one -on -one and in person, though doing things online really helps expedite time and travel sometimes. So. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Very nice. So now tell us a little bit and I and I know, you know, we I normally just just try to try to flow. But tell us a little bit about your why behind your business. Like, how did it all start? Did you rebrand at any point? Like, how did you know this was you were walking in your purpose? OK, so I'm telling a funny story about two, 13 years ago. Um, I was pregnant with our son. He's now 13. He'll be 14. And we were having the recession in Michigan. And Michigan was hit a lot harder than other people when this mortgage crash yeah. uh, came. And guess what business I was in? The mortgage business. And so I was like, holy cow. Some people don't know that mortgage businesses, by and large, are 100% commission. If you don't close a sale, you don't make money. Okay. So I left a salary job for this job. We're not going to go into that. That's a whole nother talk show. But in my search for going back in the workforce after the mortgage industry thing didn't end up like I wanted it to, I was kind of in a place where I'm like, I don't really know what I want to do. I have this degree or two or so, and they're not working for me. What do I really want to do? And so um, I asked myself, what is it you want to do? And I went on a journey and I'll never forget this book. And I always recommend it. It's The Cure for the Uncommon Life by Max Lucado, who's a Christian author, has a bunch of books. And it helped me. And after I read that book, I was like, you know what? I want to help people start a small business. You so I don't have. What, yes. What's the name of it? I'm going to put it in the comments. The Cure for the Uncommon Life by Max Lucado. And his name is L-U-C-A-D-O. Okay. And so. After reading that book, I realized I wanted to help people start a small business. And so from there, kind of did a little bit of training and um, did a career switch and realized that entrepreneurship was something I wanted to not only help people do, but to do myself because it gave me the flexibility to be with my kids. And that was why I was in the mortgage industry so that I could be with my children. And just like lots of other moms and, and dads even now, I wanted to be with my children. I didn't want anybody else to raise them because I knew what I wanted to give them. And I knew that I had to be present to be able to give that to them. So a lot mm -hmm. of that came from just wanting um, to, to be there and give them the best of me when I could. Wow. And how old are your children now? They are 13 and 16. I have a freshman in high school and a senior in high school. Wow. Okay. Nice. Nice. Okay. I love it. So let me let me just take a moment to say a Miss Angel Wright joined us. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining uh, Renee. Oh, hi, Renee. How are you? Joined mm -hmm. us. And I see Miss Anika. I think that's Miss Anika. 
and she didn't leave a comment, uh, stop, stop by. And there's another young lady. And sometimes ladies, like if you don't make a comment, I don't necessarily know who you are. <laughs> I'll see your face up there, but thank you all for joining us, dropping in on this Sunday afternoon. Okay. I just want, wanted to acknowledge everybody because I know everybody is so busy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, especially we as women, we like multitasking all the time. Wow. And then yeah. I know you got two in high school. I do. I, I do. It's, okay. it's, it's a blessing. Thank you, ladies, for stopping by and tuning in. I certainly appreciate you. I, and it's been uh, a very um, amazing journey to look and see that my oldest is now 16 and will be 17 and graduating. And it's like, mm -hmm. what happened? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, beautiful, awesome um, gifts of God. I'm thankful that I was allowed to even parent them. Um, sometimes we take our kids for granted and they just get on my nerves and they just use all my money and they just suck up my air. But to, to have children, the Bible says it's a gift from God and to be able to be trusted with their lives, to give them the, the guidance and the love that they're supposed to have so that they can then go on and do something else is really an honor. And so I don't take it like Excellent. You know what you mentioned? Well, and we typically whenever I talk with other mothers, this always comes up is that the well a couple of things one being able to set an example for our children you know i'm i'm sure that your your children have seen you you know as an entrepreneur you know and all of the hard work and dedication that it that it takes you know i've heard i've heard or that that comes up very often as well as leaving a legacy for our children you know maybe a business or you know teaching them about entrepreneurship even if they don't want to take over our particular business, you know, mm -hmm. but that, that, mm -hmm. that whole dedication piece, you know, that, that bringing to life what you're passionate about, you know, so that, that always comes up. So when you mentioned to me about the, about your children being in high school, you know, I thought about that. Are, are there, are they talking about entrepreneurship at all or had their own little businesses? So it's funny because that's, that's the goal is to have my, I told them before they get out of high school, they have to have a business. What it is, is on them. Okay. But my daughter, who has sometimes worked and been my assistant on like at special events and different things, she'll tape me and then she sends out different things, correspondence for me. And I hire her to do my social media. She actually has friends. And so she was saying one day, somebody was talking about something. She was like, oh my God, that could be a business. She was like, mom, you're rubbing off on me. <laughs> so it was so funny. <laughs> That she's getting it. So, <laughs> wow. But yeah, I heard you say about being like your virtual assistant. That is, that's like so, so cool because, you know, the that age generation, they're, you know, with a computer, you know, they just like, like I was earlier fumbling around trying to turn off the notifications. They've been took that, been like, boop, boop, that's it. You know what I mean? And you'd be like, wait a minute, what did you do? You know, but it comes so yes. easy to them. And um, that that's wonderful that they're able to help you. Um, with, with those yeah. different things. Yes. Okay. So I put, I put in the, I added it in the comments later so you guys can see it. Cure for the uncommon life. Is mm -hmm. that right? Okay. Yes. I just didn't put the author's name in, but I guess, but we can, we can go back and do that later because I got to get the spelling and everything again from you. Okay. But that, that book sounds very interesting. I might want to check that out myself. It was a good, it was an audio book and I listened and I was like, wow, this is so cool. So yeah, it was a good book. Okay. So that, so that gives us a little bit more insight into who you are, how your business came about. And oh, also I wanted to mention that I wasn't living in Michigan at the time, 
but because I just recently re relocated back in 2015. But I know a lot of my family members and friends were hit very hard, you know, um, in terms of like, you know, like losing their homes and, you know, cars, everything else, you know, that, that you're not able to keep up with when you don't have a steady income. So I know it, it hit this city very, very hard, you know, so mm -hmm. I kind of came back in on like the tail end of it. Mm -hmm. So. So that that talks a little bit about your why behind your business. So what I want to ask you about now is share with us maybe a challenge, whether it be personally or professionally, that you dealt with and, you know, basically how you effectively addressed it so that you didn't become stuck. Mm -hmm. So... I think one of the things, it, and, and this is for all business owners, and the, the biggest challenge for me, can I just be honest and tell you I was getting started? It was getting started. Um, I know that a lot of times um, people's challenges are something different, but for me, I wasn't sure. See, I have uh, 12 years experience as a business consultant. So helping about 500 people launch a small business is something that I, I've done. And so getting caught as the practitioner versus practicing is the thing. And so figuring out, you know, a lot of times, who do you go to to help you start something when you help everybody else start something? Mm -hmm. And so really getting started because I went to a lot of people and was like, Hey, I want to do this. I want to do, and people were like, Oh, well you should do it this way. And Oh, you should do it this way. And I always tell my mm -hmm. clients, listen, I'm not going to change your business idea. I may add to it. I may enhance it, but I never want to change your idea. Cause that was the whole thing for me. And so getting the confidence to really decide that I could was the biggest challenge for me was okay. just, just, just starting. Okay. Hmm. And you know, and I'm, I've I've heard that frequently too, in mm -hmm. in terms of, and especially about the getting the different advice from different people. <laughs> everybody, everybody got a different, you know, a different perception, mm -hmm. you know. So I and I, I think especially like you said in the beginning, mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Especially like in the beginning, you have all these different ideas, and if you're not really clear, or like you said, don't have the you know, enough confidence or self-confidence at that time, it's easy to kind of get, be all over the place, basically. So how, mm -hmm. so, so re reiterate again for us, how did you, how did you officially over, overcome that, that hurdle? Like, what was I, I made a decision <laughs> that I wasn't listening okay. to anybody else. Okay. <laughs> Just okay. said, I'm doing it. Right. Like I have this thing. As a speaker, like I was nervous. I'm not nervous to speak on stage, which is, you know, I'm not public speaking. It's not a fear of mine. Um, but I was at a point where I wasn't sure if I could. And, and this is the advice I would give to people. This is really what kind of helped me move on is okay. I figured that Les Brown and Zig Ziglar and John Maxwell were some of the most amazing speakers, but they've even had stage fright. They've even messed up. But if they could mess up and continue on, mm -hmm. so could I. So when yeah. you make the decision that I can and it doesn't have to be perfect and it might be a mess or it might be amazing, you give yourself the power to say, sure, I'll do it. And mm -hmm. that takes away a lot of fear and it helps you with the confidence and you can move forward. And so that was really what I did is just deciding I'll be good. I'll be bad. But doggone it. I'll be doing it. I'll be doing <laughs> it. I know that's right. I love it. I love it. I love it. OK. And, you know, 
for those for the for the queens that are listening now and the ones that will catch the replay, this is something very common, you know, that a lot of people, a lot of us deal with is that fear, right? But the thing of it is, it's not that we're never, that we're completely going to get rid of that fear, right? But we, but we want to be able to come up with effective tools for us, you know, individually, because different, you know, different strokes for different folks, right? But the idea is to be able to not allow it to get you to be, be stuck and just give up on, just give up on everything or, or just go, you know, curl up in a corner and say, oh, I'm not going to be able to do it, you know? So this is very common. If you are experiencing this, you know, don't don't feel bad. You know, don't don't be fearful to reach out for help, you know, because there are other there are others out there. We you know that have all gone through this probably at one time or another. So you are not alone. OK, you are never alone. So and the purpose of this is I want you queens to stay encouraged. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. Tell us something interesting about you. <laughs> so lots of people don't believe this, but for two years I worked at a men's prison. Okay. So I was a officer at a maximum security men's prison for two years. And where was this at? This was at here. This was up here, and uh, it was at Huron Valley Men's Facility oh, in uh, Huron Valley. Okay. All right. How'd you like that? Um, I didn't. <laughs> but um, as a as a college student, it paid the bills. Okay. And so. Whenever I, um, and so I think you can learn something from everything you've been through, whether it's your strength or weakness. And for me, whenever I get to a point where I'm like, you can't, I'm like, girl, you worked at a man's prison. I know you're not finna punk out right now. Okay. Because it takes something to go in a prison with men. I mean, I was 24, 25 at the time, oh. a whole thinner a whole lot younger, a whole lot less secure. I didn't know nothing. <laughs> and I stayed there. No incidences, thank God. But it was a, a journey for me understanding that there's a lot more to us if we allow it to happen and, and take advantage of those opportunities that present themselves that are difficult where you are, because those opportunities help you learn and see that there's more depth to you than you've ever displayed or ever known. And so it was really one of those. So that's one of those experiences. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I would have never guessed. I had an interview at a prison one time. <laughs> and, uh, what was it um, when I was living in New York, Rikers Island? Yes. And the way they they I felt like the way when I came for an interview, I felt like like they treated me like I was a prisoner. You know, I was just like, you know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I'm I'm good on this on this end here. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Welcome. So, what type of advice would you give to a younger version of yourself? Oh my God. So what I would tell myself is, girl, listen, <laughs> somebody's absence does not determine your value. You said somebody's somebody's absence does not determine your value. Okay. Just because your friend, your family, whatever did not stay with you, that does not mean that you're not worthy of somebody staying with you. Yeah. I would tell myself, yes, you're chocolate, but you're gorgeous. Move on. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Stop, stop trying to be perfect yes. and just do it. Life is going to happen. You're going to have disappointments and those shall pass. And you're going to have triumphs. Those shall pass. But keep going and chase your dreams because you can actually catch them. Mm, I love that. Chase your dreams because you can actually catch them. 
You have to write that. That was good. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Wow. Mm. Yes. Let me just check on check these comments over here. Okay. Oh, <laughs> you know, I just realized this. Angel was Angel said, "We we get it. We get it all. We get all four. I guess all four seasons, right? In Georgia too, just a little milder." Okay, you know what? I lived in Georgia too, Angel, when I was um, doing my graduate studies, and I was there for two years after that. And I don't know, <laughs> I remember that. I don't know if I remember all four seasons. Hmm. Okay, I know the climate with the way the weather is changing now and all of these hurricanes and all of this, I know, you know, climates are really changing and what may have been typical, even, you know, for, for Michigan or for Georgia, 15 years ago may not be typical today. Right. Mm -hmm. so I know it's different, but um, yeah. So thank you so much for that. That that's excellent, excellent advice. I love it. Now, how do you practice good self care? Oh, that's easy. That's probably one of the things I'm best at. I say no, <laughs> honey. I say no. Mm -hmm. I say it in a whole lot of languages. No, I say it with attitude. No, I say it sex. No, I say no. And I know a lot of moms and a lot of women don't want to say that, and they think we mm -hmm. owe an, we owe an apology or we owe an explanation. Nope, I don't owe that. I really don't. And so um, beyond, and I know that there. Are, I just did a presentation a couple of weeks on this, and I know that beyond like the, the detox bath or tea or just time alone, there's some deeper work that has to be done again uh, with self-care. Mm -hmm. And that really is saying no to the things that you don't want to say yes to. Yes. It is sometimes changing churches. Yeah. It's sometimes leaving relationships and people yeah. that do not support you and only take away from you. I think another part of it is really healing those parts of you that were wounded from childhood, whether it was talk because you were dark, whether it was talk because your dad wasn't in the home, whatever those things are. I think that's a part of self-care that we don't often talk about. And that's the part I'm probably biggest on is getting healed from the trauma and the drama so that I can move forward and really take care of myself. Yes, I take spa trips. Yes, mama got to have her hair done. However, I'm sensible enough to know that when I need to pull back and not do anything, I don't do anything. I'm just coming off a two week vacation where I really didn't do a whole lot of anything. I and just that's, said, that's no. what a vacation is, right? Not do, uh, doing a whole lot of nothing, relaxing. And I, and I found out a few days into it that I could think. But I had so much stuff on top of that that I wasn't really thinking and coming up with stuff because I was so bogged down with so mm -hmm. much. So that's even a part of self-care is knowing when to take a break. And I don't I don't believe in the grind, don't stop and 24 seven grind. I don't believe in that because even when you grind gears too much, they start to mess up. And so you have to take a break. So taking a break is something I do doing things that I love doing. I love cooking. And so when I'm real stressed, I'll cook because that helps me nurture myself, which helps me with self-care. So I um, am happy to take care of myself. I learned how to take care of myself. And hopefully my children have watched me and they know that they too can do some things to take care of themselves, whether it's taking a break, going out with friends, or just uh, getting to a place where they're healing some parts of them that were hurt. And the reason I always bring this up is because it's so important. Self self care because you can't you can't keep pouring out 
and not, mm-hmm. not, not replenishing, right? You have mm-hmm. to take care of yourself. And the fact that I think we as women, and especially as African-American women, it's, it's, it's almost like it's, it's taboo to say, you know, I can't take any more on my plate or to say no, or to say, you know what? I just don't want to do that right now. And, or mm-hmm. to say no and not give an explanation. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, we, yes. it's, it's almost like, like it's, everything is a juggling act, you know, like we juggling mm-hmm. things, people constantly throwing other, you know, throwing more balls in there for you to juggle. And we just sit there and just try to try to juggle everything. Unfortunately, until we like have some sort of a breakdown, <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then you really go out of commission and, you, you know, and the thing of it is, if you don't refuel or take care of yourself along the way, you're not going to be able to take care of yourself, much less anybody else. You know what I mean? And and yeah. and the, the whole thing about not wanting to ask for help or not even saying, you know, I feel a little overwhelmed right now. This is a moment where I need to just stop and take a step back. You know, like we need to be more okay with saying that. So this 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 is, and usually when we talk about this, like on you know the the past interviews, it, it opens up so many different things because we've seen our mothers, our you know our grandmothers, our aunts maybe older sisters do the same thing, you know, which is why, you know, because my, I, I have a, I'm a social worker. I'm, I'm, a th- I'm a therapist, right? So I see it all the time. Black women in particular, not saying we're the only ones, but in particular, so bogged down with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And the thing of it is, yeah, you might, you know, you, you still holding it down. You know, the kids still going to school. Everybody's everybody still got a lunch. Everybody still got dinner on the table. The house is clean, you know, but, how, you know, how are you really doing on the inside? Yep. You know, yep. What I mean? like, how are you really doing? So I, I think it's just important for us to talk about it and to have the open dialogue and to know that it's OK. And that, that mm-hmm. whole thing about that saying no. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know a lot of us or I, I heard this time and time again. With this whole people pleasing thing, you know, nobody wants to say no, you know, and almost to the point where, like you said, we say no, we feel guilty, and and mm-hmm. that's that's not going to help either. Saying no, but then still having all this guilt. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like being able to say no, not have that guilt, and not have to explain it to nobody. Mm-hmm. When I first started, uh, just just getting to a place where I was better with me, that was one of the first things was was learning to say no. And learning to say no, and I have this saying, I tell my sister, um, no is a complete sentence. I don't owe you anything before and you're not getting anything after, which means I'm not going to explain to you why my answer is no, because that doesn't change my answer. So it's still a no. So it doesn't mean, well, no, I can't go to the mall because I got a headache. No, I'm just not going to the mall today. And that has to be okay. And so we have to learn to stop saying, I'm sorry for stuff that we're not, that doesn't require apology. And we have to learn to just, that that no is okay. No doesn't mean I don't love you. No just means that's not a choice I want to partake in right now. Right. And that's all it is. So and yeah. And ahead. have you found that, that you had to like re-educate? Um, maybe that's not the right word for it, but you know, other individuals around you. Yes. You know, that, <laughs> because you know, when, when people, let's just say for those individuals that, are accustomed to never saying no and people pleasing and things along those lines. That's what that's what their family and their friends is used to. So mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of times they might have a lot of difficulty because they get a lot of pushback. 
Yes, they do. And that's the thing. And so if you're not careful, when you answer those types of people, they will try to guilt you into saying yes. And it's like, you know what? No, it's like, no, it's no. (laughs) And it's just no. And from my answers, you can see that it took me some time to get retrained myself to be able to say, you know what? No, I I don't want to do that. That does not work for me. No, thank you. Um, And if you look at those folks that really consistently do that, that they don't, they aren't able to say no, they are burnt out, they are tired, they are depressed because they can't do that one thing that could release them to be able to get refueled and to get replenished and to be restored. So I have had to um, help some people. I actually had a client that I saw a couple weeks ago and she said, oh no, my girlfriend, every time I talked to her, she was bringing me down and I had forgotten. We talked about this in a session, a coaching session about her saying no. And so she's like, oh no, I, I talked to her. She good. She said, cause when she started, I tell her, we live, I got to go. She said, you taught me to tell her that. I was like, I did. She was like, yeah. She said, you told me to say no to stuff. I did not want to say yes to. And I was like, oh, wow. So it does take a little bit. I think for some of us, it takes us being able to say that's available to me. Like, I think for a lot of women, that option is like, we believe it's off the table. And so we don't even think about it because we don't believe it's available to us. But being able to say yes is also a part of being able to say no. So we have to know that those options are both available for us. Mm -hmm. Especially when it comes to our children. Yes. You know, and our spouses, you know, our significant others, you know, sometimes it's a little bit even more difficult um, to be able to say no. But like just like like you said, with, with practice, right, just like with anything else, you practice, you get better and better. But I wanted to mention, too, what you had kind of piggyback off of what you said earlier in terms of the self-care. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we focus on or I've heard other, you know, it, it's come up in conversation about, you know, getting our hair done and getting our nails done and, you know, things of that nature. And yet, yes, those are aspects of self-care, but to be able to, to make it more inclusive and more complete, to be able Mm -hmm. to look at different things that replenish you from the inside or replenish Mm -hmm. you on the inside. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you said, whether that's just turning off your phone and the TV and just going and sitting somewhere you know, sipping a sip an iced tea in a dim lit room, you know, whatever it is for you, you know, mm-hmm. but to be able to focus more. And if you don't know how, go on that journey, right? To, to, to figure out what just makes you, what just like, what makes you feel good that, that you just lose time doing. Like how you said, cooking is very therapeutic for you, mm-hmm. you know? So, and I know, especially like if we're mothers, you know, maybe we, you know, we, we have children, we, we have significant others, maybe we're caring for an elder elderly parent, you know, and so sometimes it's easy to lose that, you know, because mm-hmm. these are like, like, well, what do you just like, what do you just enjoy doing? Sometimes you ask a lot of women and they're like, hmm, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. You know, again, that's that's normal, but sit down and really and really think about it and really think about it. You know, it may be it's probably just something that you just gonna sat in the closet. That just needs to be dusted off, you know. And I don't care again how crazy it sounds. If let's say mm-hmm. you say you want to, like, like I'm, my my cousin loves painting, you know. So they mm-hmm. they get the little, you know, that that painting with the twist. They yes. got the whole hook up in there, in their living room. That's their thing. That's what they do, you know. Mm-hmm. That's therapeutic for them. 
no matter how crazy it may sound to someone else, but that's therapeutic for them and that's what they do. You know, so I'm just encouraging you, the ladies out there, like I said, that are listening now and that, that's going to catch the replay. That's all part of getting back to you. That's all part mm -hmm. of getting back to you and what makes you feel good inside. And it has to be done. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure we have enough time. So let me it, let's let's go into your topic. Is that is that OK? Or did you want to kind of is there anything else that we've already talked about that you kind of want to, you know, piggyback on or throw something else in there about? Say something, something else in reference to it. Yes, briefly. So you talked about self care. You said as your therapist, a lot of times we don't believe we need a therapist or could use the services of a therapist. Now, I, as a Christian, I want y'all to know you can have Jesus and a therapist. Yes. So you need a therapist. If after self care, you've taken a weekend, you've taken a break, you're taking time by yourself, you still can't get it right, still feeling like that's something else, it might be. It's okay to go get some help with that. So now I'm done. Okay, that's right. It's okay to have Jesus and a therapist. And you know, and, and I know a lot of the people I'm connected with online, you know, are very, very, you know, spirit, spiritual individuals, you know, very, very connected, you know, have a good relationship with God. And, and you're absolutely right. I think some people may struggle with that, you yep, know, they do, the, you know, and especially with that, within our community, we don't even talk about the men, <laughs> but even, you know, mm -hmm. even with us as, as women, you know, yes. oh, I got to, you know, to go and sit and talk to somebody, you know, typically that that's kind of been something that we don't, as a people, we don't usually yes. do unless somebody forcing us to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to take your kids if you don't go, go get therapy, you know, exactly. but, yep. you know, it's, Again, it's just part of that that awareness. So thank you so much for mentioning that. So your actual topic yes. is the courage to dream, helping moms mm -hmm. pursue their dreams while raising their families without sacrificing either. Thank you. And I will try to be very quick, you all. No, you know, I mean, no, we, we started we started about 10 minutes after, I think. So you okay. got about you got about maybe twenty minutes, you know, if, if you take that. But the, I don't want you to. I don't want you to feel rushed. Okay. So um, the courage to dream is, is actually um, an accurate courage is an acronym, and so it stands for some things. And I find that with all the moms and all the women that I've worked with, a lot of times that's the thing that's missing. I think of the um, the lion in the Wizard of Oz or the Wiz, whichever version you wanted. The thing that he wanted more than anything was the thing that he had displayed in his times of peril. So he wanted courage. But when Dorothy was in trouble, when his friends were in trouble, he was able to summon the courage to be able to help them and to free them. So it was something that he already had. And so a lot of times I always tell people as a mom, when you birth babies um, and when you are able to adopt babies and raise them, there's a whole nother level of something that um, you have tapped into that you don't get anywhere else. I know for me, giving birth twice was in and of itself a miracle and some things happen, but it takes courage when you're carrying a seed and you can't see that thing and you change your life. You change how you eat, you change how you sleep, you change how you dress, you change how you think, you do different things to, to give to someone else. And so I think there's so many things in life that we do that we have the courage for, but we feel like when it comes to starting a business, we don't. 
When it comes to chasing our dreams, we don't. But we forget that the things that we do anyway already require what we have. So if I could just share with you all what I think courage could do for you by breaking the acronym down to eight, I mean, seven different letters. I hope that it helps you move forward and actually catch the dreams you're chasing. So the first thing is clear the clutter, clear the clutter. Listen, if I, I can't show you my office, which I'm currently in right now, cause it has some, a little bit of clutter. And so there is physical clutter where we keep books and magazines and newspapers and all kinds of things. And we don't throw them away. There's the clutter in the closet. When we go up, sorry, ladies. Uh, when you go up a size and you keep those size fours, and honey, you ain't been a four since President Obama was in office. That's okay. So you got clutter. <laughs> and then there's that heart clutter and mind clutter. Okay. When you're thinking about the same thing all the time, or your heart is pressed about the same thing all the time, there is no resolution. There is no, no solution. You continuously have that thing in you. And we also keep people who clutter our lives with their negative, mm -hmm. pessimistic, non-supportive, toxic lifestyle. And so if you're going to find, if you're going to fly, and just by fly, I mean, you're going to take the leap and decide, I'm going to do this. You've got to clear the clutter. You have got to the club. The second thing is be open to new possibilities. I recently accepted a position as an entrepreneur in residence at a community college near me. It was something that came to me I didn't even look for, and I almost said no. Well, what that does is that allows me to expand my business, and the customers come to me. I don't have to look for them. And so I'd gone through some things where I was like, okay, some of my clutter is clear, but I had to be open to possibilities that could eventually take me where I want to be. And those possibilities come from different things like this interview today, like being an entrepreneur in residence. And so if you look at it and you always do what you always did, then you'll always get what you always got. When you're open to new possibilities, there could be something that comes to you that just shakes your world and shifts you in a direction where you actually start to do what you need to do to mm -hmm. launch the business. So even though it doesn't seem like it's something you may want to do um, right now, and it's something that you're not sure, you can be open to those possibilities. So Richard Branson, the owner of Virgin Mobile and Virgin Everything said, say yes to the possibility, say yes to the thing that you've been asked to do, even if you don't know how to do it. And after it's accepted, then you go find out how to do it. So when you're open to new possibilities, new things come to you. And sometimes that's all we're looking for is new because the old is worn out, raggedy, and it's time to give it up. So be open to new possibilities. The you is use what you have. Now, I write business plans for people and I've, tipped, and I've written about 500 of them. So I've written quite a few. I kind of know what to do with them. About three years ago, I added that to my business. Now, I had nine years experience at that time of writing them, and I didn't think I could write them. And I was like, well, Lord, I want some money. Da, 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 da. And I had people come to me. I was like, I'm not writing a business plan. I'm not writing a business plan. And my accountability partner was like, well, why not? You do it every day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, well, I just help. She was like, no, you're writing it. So I added that service to what I had. And that service, the first year was five figures, y'all. Five figures. 
That was something I already had that I wasn't doing anything much with that earned me five figures. For, for writing writing business plans for individuals? Okay. Yep. Okay. And so thing, so many times you have something that you're mm -hmm. not using that can help you in some kind of way. Perhaps mm -hmm. you write curriculum and you wrote curriculum as a preschool teacher, but now that you've got your speaking business, you're not thought about writing curriculum. Well, speakers need to have curriculum developed for training mm -hmm. programs each and every day. So could you use that to add another stream of revenue to what you do? Perhaps you were um, a, a preschool teacher and now you're a chef. Well, you're a chef around people that have kids and their kids are struggling and you, they don't know what to do. Well, you've got that knowledge. Maybe you teach a class and help them help their children adjust to school or whatever it is they have an issue with because that's something that you have. There's mm -hmm. a scripture in the Bible and I love this because Moses, it, God is talking to Moses and Moses has his staff in his hand and he asks Moses, he says, what is in your hand? And Moses literally looked and he's like, well, it's the staff. And the thing is, what really moves me with that is because sometimes you can have it and not even know what it is. Okay. And so sometimes you have to look at what you have a little bit different. He laid the staff down. It became a stick. He got afraid. God said, pull it by the tail. He grabbed it by the tail. It turned back into a staff. So what do you have that you can mm -hmm. use that you're not even sure of what the value is because it's just something you have or something you've done? The R, and this is probably my favorite of all of them, is being resilient. And being resilient means having the ability to recoil, to, to bounce back into shape. Life is going to stretch you like a piece of straw and then bend you and break you and everything else. But you've got to be determined that I'll come back. It'll bend me, but doggone it, I ain't going to break. It might stretch me, but I won't just fall apart. And so you have to decide if I'm going to have anything in this world, if I'm going to accomplish my dreams, I've got to be resilient because even though I know what I want to do, even though I am equipped and I am qualified, those around me may not want me to do it. They not, may not be cheering for me. The circumstances and situations might be against me and they may knock me down. I may get a no from the bank for this bank loan, but baby, I won't break. I might get a divorce, but doggone it, I won't just let it kill me. And so you have to decide that I'm going to be resilient. I'm going to bounce back from this. I'm going to learn what I need to learn. It's not going to kill me. It's not going to break me. I'm going to use it to shape me. The A, I've never played an, played an instrument, although I've wanted to for a lot of years. I teeter with taking piano because I've always wanted to play piano. It's not too late. I'm still breathing. I could. But in when you're doing, when you're taking uh, instrumental lessons or taking vocal lessons, the thing your piano teacher, your your flute teacher, your voice teacher will tell you after you sing a scale is again, and then da 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 da, -da and they say again, and that's what I want to tell you is again and again and again and again and again and again until it works. How many agains do you have to have, Coach Shaw? I don't know. As many as it takes. For it to work, but you have to be committed to the next again and the next again and the next again. And yes, it's going to be tiring. And yes, you're going to be tired and mad and not wanting to do it. But you get to determine if I'm going to be successful by trying again and again and again. The G is to gauge your 
progress. As a life coach, I would be absolutely worthless if I didn't tell you to look around and see where am I going? What's my progress? How am I doing with the goal I want to do? If you want to lose five pounds in six weeks, then you have to look and see, okay, well, I gave up bread and, and I, I lost a quarter of a pound. Okay. What do I need to do? Let me add some water. Okay. Well, the other day I didn't do this. Or I didn't do that. Gauge where you are. Look and see what is going on for, to help me get to my goal. Because you don't just wake up a millionaire. If you do, I'm going to sleep tonight and I'm going to know what you did because I want to wake up a millionaire in the morning. However, <laughs> no matter what your goal is, you have to take an account of what you're doing to get there so you can know what to do more of and what to stop. Yeah. So I want you to gauge your progress. And the last one is absolutely the one that I think helps people more than anything is because I think so many times in life, we've had life. And I tell people often, oh, you're, you just had life. Like we act like life is supposed to be so amazing. And even as a Christian, I got stuff. That's just the promise from God that you would have troubles and tribulations, but take heart, you'll overcome. And so when you're going through, there are a lot of times, and this is true for me, my expectations were that I would have defeat. Can you imagine waking up on a Monday and expecting to be defeated and then wondering why I was defeated? Because you didn't expect to have victory. And that's the last one is expect victory. Expect it. Look for it. Prepare for it. Tell it, come on, see me. I'm, victory, where you at? Come on, come on over here because I'm expecting you. When you are expecting a package in the mail, my son, I ordered him some shoes for school the other day and he was expecting those shoes to come in the mail. And so he knew like the day before, he's like, well, my shoe's going to be here Tuesday or Thursday. I'm like, oh, okay, well, no, they're going to be here tomorrow. He's like, no, they're going to be here this day. And so he knew because he came home the day before and I was wrong in my day. He was like, oh no, I checked the porch. They're not there yet. But Thursday, when he came home, he was expecting to see those shoes. And that's how you have to be about your dreams. If you decide that I want to start a small business or I want to advance in my career, you have to put yourself in a position where you expect that that thing I want is going to come to me. And the thing is, you have to stay resilient and knowing that it may not come today or tomorrow, but it's coming. And I expect it to come. And you have to change your attitudes, your thoughts, your habits and your direction so that it all faces that way. I am expecting to succeed. So no, I don't speak like everybody else. I am expecting to succeed. So no, I don't do what everybody else does. I am expecting victory to come to me. So no, I can't just go over here or do this or that because I'm expecting victory. I'm positioning myself to be in a place where that's coming for me because I'm looking for it and doggone it is looking for me. So if you decide that if there's something you want to do, I need you to clear the clutter. I want you to be open to new possibilities. I want you to use what you have. I want you to be resilient, understanding that stuff is going to happen, but I can overcome it. I want you to try again and again and again. I want you to gauge your progress. And most importantly, I want you to expect victory because you do have the courage to dream. Wow. I was going to ask you to repeat everything and you did it. You know what? Just out of curiosity, <clears throat> which one of those steps? Now, when you work with your clients, I would assume you go through each mm -hmm. of those different um, principles. Mm -hmm. Which one would you say 
that a lot of individuals have a little, uh, maybe a little more, find it a little more difficult to do or to be, need a little more practice at it? Um, I think clear the clutter and, and be resilient are the top two. Clear the clutter and, and be resilient. You know what? When you mentioned about that clear the clutter, because <clears throat> I, again, I, I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to interrupt, but I know sometimes I forget, but I think it's so important that you mentioned about not only just the physical clutter, but you started talking about clutter in terms of the people around you, as well as what did you say, clutter in your heart? Yes, ma'am. You know, and that that just really, and I, I don't know how, how how you ladies feel, but I kind of wanted I, I kind of wanted you to talk a little bit more about that too. You know, and and I know I know you know I'm, I'm pretty sure you could probably give a whole, it, it probably forty five minutes probably on each topic because they're all so important and they're all so crucial. But I know for me, I was just so sitting here and I was like, wow, I hadn't even, I've never really, you know, I know I talk a lot about watching who you, you know, surround yourself with. You know, are you familiar with Eric Thomas? Because mm -hmm. I think he's a native Detroiter. He is. Okay. And one one of his speeches, and I'm just looking at the time, we got we got a few minutes. One of his speeches, he's he talks about and I'm paraphrasing y'all because I don't know if this is exactly how he said it, but something to the effect of you are nothing but the sum and total of the individuals you surround yourself with. So I know mm -hmm. I talk a lot about that, but I never, but just the idea of talking about the clutter in your heart and actually referring to all of these individuals around you with all of this toxicity, because I know, mm -hmm. I, I know I've been there and I'm still there. I have to admit y'all, it's still a lot of people mm -hmm. in my circle <laughs> that are very toxic. And I know sometimes for me, it's it, the most challenging is with family, you know? And yep. now do you, do you make a distinction between like that type of toxicity? Because there are some people that they, they, they may want what was best for you, but they're oper operating out of fear. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So they're, they're projecting all of this negativity, mm -hmm. the what ifs, the shoulda, couldas and, you know, you're going to fail. You know what I mean? But they but they're coming from a good place like they love you. But at the same time, mm -hmm. they're, they're still projecting all of that negativity. And then you have other people that are projecting all that to toxicity and they really don't mean, you know, well, they really secretly want you to fail. So. Mm -hmm. So. So I, I guess I want to I want to know, do you do you kind of put them in like a, a separate category in terms I of do. decluttering? I do. And so the people that want me to fail, they don't, they don't get front row seat. They don't get back row seat. They don't get no seat. You done. They don't get no seat. You don't get no seat. Get no seat. And, 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 and when I started to um, heal, because a few years ago, I realized that there were some things I wanted and I realized how broken I was. I realized that I had a lot of wounds from childhood, a lot of things that I just, my failures and my shame for, for different decisions and things that I made, I realized that they were controlling me and that was my heart clutter. Mm -hmm. My father was not in my life like I wanted him to be. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I said earlier when I said your absence doesn't doesn't determine my worth. A lot of times for children, when they think their when their father's not there, their mother's not there, they think, what did I do? Oh, was I a bad child? And I realized a three-month-old can do nothing that a person, an adult should leave them for. A six-year-old is really not that rambunctious that an adult should just say, I'm done. 
And so I had to look at sometimes it's other people's issues. And so I let you have your issues with yourself and I pray for you, but I release you. And that's the thing I think is the biggest deal. And I say this and people kind of look at me like, mm. but I tell people the people that mean me well, that love me are going to be concerned about me. And I understand that and their approach is different. A lot of times they'll come to you when you're, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's an aunt and, and, and you're at a barbecue and they're like, you know, you okay. Like you quit your job and you know, you got money. What you okay. And that's a different level of concern because you do have to pay your bills next to God and air you need some money. So that's, that's how they do it. Um, but the people that really don't mean you any good, you know who they are. Why do you even get access to me? I'm not going to give you parts of my dream so you can speak death to it. I'm not open for that. I don't have time for that. So you have to stay over there and you do what you do. And it can be difficult because a lot of times those are family members and you know they've not healed, which is why they feel that way. But until you get to a point where you're open to have a conversation about why you would do what you would do, I can't do that with you. I'm good to cut people off. And I know that my sister tell the people all the time and I don't mean it, but I also know that I have to preserve me and I can't save you and me because I'm not that powerful. So until you get to a point where you want positive assistance or positivity, I'm going to have to let you stay where you are and pray for you. And that really is, you know, my truth. And so that's the thing about heart clutter. And I'm going to say this real briefly. I think we hold anger, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, in our hearts. And I'm not saying that you don't have a right to be angry if you were molested when you were seven. I'm not saying you don't have a right to be angry if your father left you or your mother left you. I'm not saying you don't have a right to be angry, but I'm saying the more you hold on to it, the more it's the more it starts to clutter the spots of you, the parts of you that will allow you to love, allow people to love you. Because here's the thing, whatever you're full of comes out. And so there's a lot of people that want love, but they're so hurt and so broken that everything comes out of them as broken. And, and you have a place where you're like, listen, I don't want to, I don't want all that. Like, hey, what I'm doing with you today. And so you really do have to look and see how can I forgive them? How can I release them? And it will take a while. I'm not saying this today or tonight that you'll say, well, I released so-and-so for my ex-boyfriend for breaking my heart. We were supposed to get married and found out he had a baby by the name. Nah, da, 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 da. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But who are you hurting keeping that? You're not hurting him. He had the baby with Mary Sue and they gone. Right. You're hurting you. And so you have to look at that. And so keeping that heart clutter and that head clutter, that only stops you. Stops you. And so I want to be the last person in my way. Yeah, it was a little bit of a, a, a lag, or at least I was experiencing when you were talking there, like you were kind of sticking a little bit. That's why I was, that's why I was kind of like, I didn't say anything because I wanted to make sure you were still going and flowing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But um, I mean, I mean, just, you know, thank you so much for coming on today and actually talking about that. And you gave some really, really good tips, you know, good places to start. Now, I'd like for you just to tell the ladies, is there anything, any programs, you know, I don't know, group programs or any anything that you're offering right now and or 
you know, just, you know, definitely let them know how to find you. Okay. So across all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I'm my coach Char. So that's M Y C O A C H C H A R. That's my website. It's mycoachshar.com. You can check me out there. I have a newsletter that I send out to my folks monthly with just different tips and tricks to kind of help you in business and to help you in life because I believe they're intertwined. Um, in two weeks, I'm actually, and thank you for allowing me to share this. In two weeks, I'm starting, excuse me, a group coaching call. It's really inexpensive. It's one group coaching call a month, but I also have a personal coaching call tied to that. So I know that a lot of women, when they start a business and sometimes when they've been in business, there's a level of accountability mm -hmm. that they're looking for. And I'm not talking about, um, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? But having a place where they can say, I tried this and I need that again, again thing, because I just feel like, uh-uh. And so in this group, it's supportive. It's capped at 10 folks. I've already got a space sold out. Now, this is the first time I'm publicly announcing it. Um, but I had a client ask me um, if she could come in. And, and so I'm like, okay, cool. So we have one already taken. But it's designed to really help people continue to move forward because that's what coaching is about. I'm not a therapist. So I'm not going to look at when you were six and tell right. you what happened <laughs> with the boogeyman and the boy down the street. And this is this. That's not my thing. I'm not in that. She is. But <laughs> I, what I could tell you is what is your goal and how can we start at where you are and develop a plan to get you where you want to be? And so these moms that are going to be in this group will offer each other support as well as me offering them individual and group support. And so that is launching in a week from this Wednesday. I don't remember the date off the top of my head. Oh, I think that, so that that's a coaching group. Um, Okay, a, a group coaching program? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so that's going to be, you said a week from this Wednesday? I think that's September 18th. The 18th, yep, so September the 18th. Okay, mm -hmm. so in the very beginning, when you were talking, you kind of went out a little bit, so, and I, I know okay. you gave your website, so get, give your information one more time, please. Absolutely. So it's M-Y-C-O-A-C-H- C-H-A-R.com. So mycoachshar.com. Okay. And that's the same on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Okay. Excellent. Woo! I'm so excited. So nice to meet you. Well, thank I'm you. So glad you decided to come on the show. Yeah. See, now we, we had a, we had an excellent interview now for some reason down, down towards the end. It's like you kind of going out a little, little bit, but hopefully everybody heard it. And I don't know if you gave me your website before, but get, give it to me again. So that way when I, when I hit, just, just give it to me again. So let me go ahead and close out. Um, thank you so much for joining us, ladies. My name is Jacqueline Kabai Harrison. I am a confidence and success coach. I work specifically with African-American women that have coaching and or consulting businesses. I help them or I help you ladies to Get rid of all of that negative self-talk that goes on in our heads, as well as all that self-sabotaging behaviors that prevents us from showing up consistently, boldly, and with authenticity in our coaching or consulting businesses. You have joined us today for A Queen's Roundtable Show, which happens every second and fourth Sunday of the month. So please continue to leave any questions or comments you may have. We will definitely make sure that they are answered. And thank you to those ladies that joined us today and for all of those that will catch the replay.
All right, y'all. Until next time.